U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says Russia is now in position to launch military action against Ukraine at very short notice. With more than 100,000 troops massed on its border, he is urging America's allies to remain unified in the face of what Blinken calls, quote-unquote, relentless Russian aggression. Now, pardon me, the U.S. announced yesterday that it will be providing... I get all choked up. You know, the thought of World War III gets me <clears throat> gets me all choked up. The U.S. announcing yesterday, pardon me, that it uh, will be providing an additional $200 million in defensive military aid to Ukraine. Ukraine has asked Canada to follow Britain's lead and rush military supplies to its army as it faces the growing possibility of a Russian invasion. My next guest, if you check his Twitter bio, it says the following. Associate Professor of Criminology at the University of Toronto, also European Studies. Post-Soviet trouble is my business, and this is some post-Soviet trouble. Welcome, Dr. Matthew Light. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Uh, One of the headlines going around right now is that Europe is closer to war than it has been since the breakup of Yugoslavia. Do you agree? Uh, Yes, I'm afraid I do. Um, What we've seen in recent weeks has been an escalation of Russia's uh, war in Ukraine. So Russia and Ukraine have been involved in conflict since 2014 when um, Russia occupied and then annexed the Crimean Peninsula and also initiated a a separatist rebellion in eastern Ukraine um, that continues to this day. What's new, though, is that Russia has uh, has carried out a giant troop buildup on its side of the border. So there's now more than 100,000 Russian soldiers um, quite near the Ukrainian border. Um, they've sent uh, weapons and military equipment from all over Russia to um, be ready um, with them. It appears that Russia has mobilized at least some of its military reserves to active duty. And they also appear to have sent their forces into the neighboring country, Belarus, which is a Russian ally and also neighbors Ukraine. So. Um, A lot of elements are now in place for a larger scale war in eastern Ukraine if Russia wishes to invade. Um, They've also um, sent the United States to um, what they refer to as draft treaties, although they're essentially ultimatums in which they say that um, the U.S. and NATO must agree to a number of very, um, very radical terms, including that um, neither Ukraine or any other post-Soviet country could ever be admitted to NATO. Um, that NATO should um, not station its forces in Eastern European NATO members that joined from 1997, and that all U.S. uh, nuclear weapons should be removed from Europe. Is this really about NATO? Well, it it is and it isn't. I mean, I think it it is in the sense that that, um, Russia um, claims that NATO is somehow threatening it, um, but If you look at the hard facts, it doesn't seem to really ring true. Um, A number of NATO countries already border Russia. They joined because they were afraid of Russia. Since they joined, there's been no flare-up comparable to this. Um, It's also the case that um, once a country is in NATO, that does not mean that nuclear weapons have to be sighted there. So um, it would be perfectly possible for Ukraine to join NATO, as, as many people, if not most people in Ukraine now wish. But for for NATO and Russia to agree regarding the the sighting of weapons there, I think it's it's about NATO in the sense that Russia sees NATO as an obstacle to its uh, wish to essentially dictate um, the terms of European security policy, particularly in the eastern half of the continent that it regards as its 
natural sphere of influence. Um, but that's not the only issue or the only underlying issue. It also has to do with Russia's wish to kind of convert um, the entire post-Soviet space into uh, um, a kind of, um, if not exactly a new Soviet Union, at least into a closely integrated region in which the member states are required to follow the Russian lead on foreign policy and to integrate their economies with Russia rather than with um, the European Union, as Ukraine wishes to do, for example. Um, it's also been suggested, I think reasonably, that Russia finds it very undesirable um, when a neighboring country such as Ukraine experiences a democratic transition, as Ukraine did in 2014. Um, Russia itself is an authoritarian regime, and it, it reacts very strongly whenever any neighboring country moves away from that model of political organization. All right, let's bring it home to Canada, uh, Ukraine, asking Canada to follow Britain's lead and and rush military supplies. We apparently are are weighing our options. Um, you know, we're a middle power at best. What's our play here? Well, I think um, you've you've hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, Canada is is not um, the United States, Russia, Britain, France, or Germany. It it is, uh, as you said, it's. It, not an insignificant power, and it has a long history of uh, close cooperation with Ukraine. Um, Canada certainly could send weapons to Ukraine, as you mentioned, following the UK's lead, and other European countries have have also contemplated that. Um, Canada can and does um, support di Ukraine diplomatically. And Canada is also apparently affiliated with a group of countries within NATO that um, are interested in pursuing much stronger sanctions against Russia including the exclusion of Russia from the um, SWIFT uh, international banking clearance system, as well as possibly other sanctions, such as um, uh, limiting the access of Russian firms to international capital markets and indiv individualized sanctions against Russian and business, business and political leaders. Um, but it's already becoming clear that there is no consensus within the NATO alliance um, for a particular position on the Ukraine-Russia conflict uh, beyond the level of sort of uh, declaratory statements. And in particular, um, Germany, which is the, the largest um, NATO member in Europe, um, has been very reluctant to support new sanctions and has strongly uh, opposed weapon shipments um, by the e, you know, from EU countries um, or NATO countries and, of course, is not willing to engage in them itself. You know, part of the issue here is, is a matter of face. You know, you, you, you get both sides entrenched and, you know, some of the... the the thinking here is that Putin has put so much on the line that without major concessions from the West on NATO, I mean, he can't just, he just can't pull the troops back without getting something. Do you agree with that? Um, I, I think there is something to that, but I would kind of turn it around. I mean, the way it looks to me is, is rather that Putin has um, decided this is the moment for him to make these demands. And he is perhaps, he has perhaps weighed the consequences of a war and decided that they are, are acceptable, at least for now. And so in some sense, um, the kind of very blunt um, um, and uh, sort of a no no negotiation or at least no, no concessions posture the Russians have adopted um, suggests that in a way they want to make clear to everybody that they don't intend to back down and are prepared to um, to take the next step. And they've actually said so that, you know, if the diplomatic route fails to lead to the results they want, they'll take what um, a Russian official referred to as the military technical uh, route. Hmm. Matthew, thank you so much for your perspective and for joining me today. Please be well. Thank you. 
That is Dr. Matthew Light, who's Associate Professor of Criminology in European, Russian, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Toronto. Incredibly concerning what is happening in Ukraine.